10 Things Your Child Should Know, stories about black history, and they can't pull us up, are all books you can find out more about on our website, blackineducation.com. So the federal government plays an important but a limited role, nonetheless, in the education system of our country. You know, now, make no mistake about it, the federal government's arm is long, it's strong, it casts a very long shadow, and it can have a very significant impact on education. But it does not control everything that many people think that it controls. There's a lot that, that's done at the state level. And if you really want to affect change in, in your local school system, your state school system, you really have to go to your state and local officials first, because they're the ones who are largely handling and managing the school systems uh, throughout our country. They're the ones in charge of it. But the federal government's role in the nation's school system is today framed by the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965. So this was an act that was done a long time ago under Lyndon Johnson when he was then president. And the main goal of that act was to provide, and I quote, financial assistance to local educational agencies serving areas with concentrations of children from low-income families to expand and improve their educational programs by various ways, including preschool programs, which can contribute particularly to meeting the needs of educationally deprived children. So you can see that the federal government initially came in, in 1965 under Lyndon Johnson into the space of education from almost a, a civil rights perspective. They got into this during the civil rights movement and was largely there to address and try to address the educational gaps that were existing and still do exist in our nation's countries amongst various children, in particular children who have disadvantaged backgrounds or have been, you know, marginally disdirected throughout throughout history and throughout our country. And it recognized that millions of children were still being denied educational opportunities and that it would affect them for the rest of their lives, as well as affect the competitiveness and the economy of the country itself. So that's largely been the role that the federal government has played in, in from a state uh, uh, educational system is one to try to address the education gaps that exist in our country throughout throughout the country. The government also now recognizes uh, a lot of its relationships and its its com its compact, if you will, with Native American people, Native Hawaiian people, uh, families of of military families and children who are, to, are part of military families. Um, obviously, federal government plays a role in that as well in terms of education, as well as the relationship we have with American territories that we still run: Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and so forth. So, the federal government does have an access and a role in education in those situations, but largely from a state standpoint, it's one of support to try to address the educational gaps that exist, uh, in particular for disadvantaged children throughout the country. So how do we do that? Let's go back to this Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965. So that particular act is the framework that we're dealing with now. And it was reauthorized under President Bush in the early 2000s under the No Child Left Behind Act, if you remember that. So that was an act that, that got a lot of publicity out there. And then in 2015, under President Obama, Obama it was reauthorized again, and it was called the Every Student Succeeds Act. So essentially, we've been working with the same framework that's been set out in 1965 to help close the educational gaps that exist in our system. And this framework has been amended and reauthorized up until this very day. So we're still working off of the basic framework, and it's just been reauthorized time and time again. So kind of how does that work? In this, in this basic framework, the government offers grants to try to address the disparities and, and the disadvantages that exist in our education system. Now, the states, they don't have to take it. They have to apply for this money. So if you don't want it as a state, you don't have to get it. They have to apply for this money. But because, you know, obviously of the expenditures that states have at the state and local levels for education, you know, almost, every state, almost every state will take this money from the federal government. So they will go ahead and apply for the money. They don't have to take it. They apply for the money. 
when they apply for this federal assistance, you know, and, and in general, as you may know, 90% of the funding for our local school systems, our public school systems, they come from the state and local levels, as I've mentioned in a previous episode. The federal government only provides about 8% of it, but that 8%, as I mentioned here, states have to apply for that money. So when they apply for that money in this process, they agree to the terms of the money. They have to agree to the terms of the grant. So it's not like they have to pay something back, but they have to agree to the terms. And they also have to present some type of assurance and evidence that they've used the money in the way that they said they were going to use it based on the terms of the grant. In addition to that, they, can, they have to also make sure they're using it the way they're supposed to use it. And they, But there's a lot of flexibility. The federal government doesn't tell them every single thing and exactly how they do it. They give general guidelines that have to be followed and hopefully goals that are being met and they're pushing toward goals. But states have a lot of flexibility in how they use that percentage of money that they get from the federal government. So the current law that we're under now, the reauthorization that we're under now, requires states to submit a plan to the Secretary of Education. And most states have already done it. And this plan, this state education plan, outlines how they intend to meet the requirements of the grant. And and it's very, very specific, very detailed, and what they intend to do with the money and how they intend to approach um, education and the closing and addressing of the educational gaps that exist in our country amongst various groups and various demographics and various people. So you can actually see your state's plan if you haven't had a chance to take a look at it. If you look at your state government's website or your education website for your state, you will probably be able to see, because it's publicly available, your state's plan for anywhere you live, any state, including the District of Columbia, you can see it there as well. So these states have very detailed plans that I've mentioned, and they've already been submitted to the federal government. So they've done it some time ago. And, and And when the federal government had received it, so many states have already done it, once that plan is accepted, it's, it's in place until it's changed. So pretty much the plans are in place for, for all, the, all the states that have gotten the money, and they're moving forward with this plan. And they don't really change it unless they need to change it or they update it in some way. So another requirement, in addition to putting forth these plans that they're going to have under this new law, they also are required, and this is going to be somewhat controversial, but the states are required to adopt challenging academic standards. So those academic standards so that they have to do, the federal government is basically addressing the fact that you know, many employers or, or many of the demands in the 21st century may find that, you know, one stool, student in one state versus a student in another state may have very different educational you know, outcomes that they experience and, very, and the quality of education might be very different. How do you try to make sure, especially if you want to address achievement gaps in education, that people are being taught challenging, challenging uh, academic standards, that they're being held to standards and everybody's being taught that? So the federal government doesn't say what those standards must be. They simply tell the states that they have to adopt standards, and the states can decide what those standards are. So they, it mentions this, that it mentions that the states will that the standards will be used by the state its local education agencies, and its schools. And the academic standards have to apply to all public schools and all students in all public schools. So you're giving the same students the same tests and holding them to the same standards. And you're trying to make sure that you're, you're getting everybody taught up to a level that will help them in the 21st century and help them should they go into college or whatever they do in life. So the standards have to be in the areas of mathematics, reading or language arts, and science, and any other subject that a state wants. So they can pick any other subject, but they have to have some type of academic standards around math, reading, and language arts, or science, and science. And so as these academic standards are put forth, the states must then develop how they want to assess, what that assessment is going to look like, and the actual standards that they want to do. So they don't have to um, report back to the federal government what those standards are. They could pick anything they want to pick, but they do have to have standards in place. And in addition to that, they have to also 
give feedback to the students themselves as well as make public feedback timely and available to parents and, and the public in general as to how the state did, how local education um, facilities and local education districts and school districts have done, and how individual schools have done. And they also should give feedback to the parents to how your individual child is done and whether or not your child is on grade level as it relates to these state assessments. So you can see this in this way, the federal government has hoped to try to address the education gaps that exist in our country, and they do it in that way that gives everybody an economic or, or, or an academic, if you will, opportunity to learn. And so there may be many people who are challenged, and they may have some, you know, some questions about why a state is using a given set of standards, or they're using Common Core, or whatever they may be doing. Those decisions in terms of how they do it and what they do is entirely up to the state. The federal government simply said, you just have to do something. You have to have academic standards in place, and you have to tell us how you did, and so and, and tell the world how you did. So that's really the federal government's role when it comes to to um, education. And there's a lot more to the law that's there. There's a whole lot of detail in the law, but it really boils down to the federal government trying to address educational gaps that exist in our country and trying to do that in a way by providing grants to states, which they can then take and implement in cer certain ways where they have some flexibility and some guidelines that they have in place. Hopefully that gives you some information.